Hey, what's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here, along with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. You are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. Um, just before I got on today, TJ seemed fired up, so I'm just going to I'm just gonna let him kick it off. TJ, what do you got, man? I'm just stoked about everything right now, dude. I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just having fun. All right. So, yeah, uh, lots of cool little weird projects. Like, I'm doing a lot of creative, just process improvement stuff. Like we oh, talked about before, my the, favorite. the macro to-do list. I've been process improving left and right and designing all week. So it did what I had talked about in our last pod about this week being like strictly designed and not worried about production. It pretty much is exactly what it's been all week. And this um, means your fella is doing production. Yep. He's been running the style all week. Uh, yeah. Running like crazy. He's oh, going good. Making, he's making overlands on the style, running that. And I'm designing the, a new knife and I was doing that. And while I was waiting for 3d prints of my new model, I was just back and forth to the shop, just like improving various things, wiring a few things up, um, some kind of fun little, little things. Oh man, that feels uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. This week is the first like payoff week of me having a little bit more freedom. Yeah. And that's why I'm feeling so good. It's really nice, good. man. Cool. Well, as far as like projects, like you're working on stuff, like what do you, what are the small projects? So I run G10 dry with a vacuum, no okay. coolant. And someday I would probably go to coolant, but I need a pretty sophisticated setup to do that and probably mm -hmm. more space to do that the way I want to do it. So for now, a vacuum actually works really good. I've got dust collection above the machine and a vacuum at the spindle. And I think my dust collection is actually almost 100% effective if I okay. keep the vacuum clean and keep it you know, running. Yeah. So um, like at that point, you're like 99% of the dust is at the vacuum at the spindle and yeah. then inside you think that you have a dust collector up above it like a it's like, like an air mover yeah it's like 12 inches above the machine yep so most of the dust would come out around the enclosure around where the spindle yep. comes up out of it there's like that's the only gap yep. and so it's the kind of air movers up. right above that yeah and then we leave the this time of year we can leave the shop door open and we've been running a box fan with cross breeze and like we were wearing masks and what I've noticed is G10 has a very distinct smell to it. Yeah. And I couldn't smell it at all, even right in front of the machine. And so I, you know, I pretty much still, still wore a respirator most of the time, just in case, but it's like, I think we pretty much got it kicked all, all the dust. Yeah. Um, but the thing is I had some, so there's a few little like quality of life problems with the way I had it set up. So the vacuum doesn't suck up everything that's being cut because I don't right. have a massive vacuum. So it's sucking up all the fine stuff that's like floating. Right. And all of the like debris still stays like kind of blown to the side yeah. on the fixture. Just builds up little piles. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've been doing is just taking the vacuum and I've got the vacuum that goes to the spindle kind of routes with the spindle cabling over the top. And so I need another hose that's separate. That's more of like a handheld so that I can vacuum that up. And we've, you know, for months I was just unplugging the hose, plugging the other one in really not intuitive. Yeah. And you can get a Y with like a gate. Yep. But I, I was almost sure that more than once I would probably leave it running with the, the wrong gate open. Yep. Um, cause it's, it's pretty hard to tell because like I said, the vacuum is mostly sucking up stuff that you can't really see. Right. So it's hard to, hard to tell. So I, we, we kind of, my employee and I kind of thought through that and the first step was instead of having the vacuum manu manually turn on and off, I ordered a solenoid so that the coolant uh, pump on the Tormach triggers the solenoid, which runs the vacuum. So now oh, wow. it's 
the vacuum is programmed as flood coolant. So like in cam, when I set flood coolant, it turns the vacuum on. Whoa. So now the machine, you'll hear the vacuum kick off. That means the cycle stops. So there's like an audible cue oh, that's that the really machine's cool. done. And then also, so we, uh, my employee wired that all up. I just put a YouTube video in front of him because he's done wiring quite a bit. I said, this is how they said to hook it up. You wired up. So I ordered all the parts. He wired it all up. He came out. It was working 100%. Um, so that was cool. And then we found out I 3D printed a big red plug. And the idea is the red plug sticks in the o the opening. There's a Y to my two hoses now instead okay. of just in them being independent. The big red plug stays in the handheld one. And I 3D printed. Hold on. I'm getting an alarm on my phone. Okay. And then uh, so the, the handheld one clips to a 3D printed clip on the front of the machine. It's got a big red plug in it so that the airflow is forced to come through the spindle hose. Right. You open the door, you take the red plug out, you right. shove it in the spindle one, and then you vacuum. And the red is the only red thing that you can see in the whole area. And so you'll be able to see like across the room, like, oh, I forgot to take that plug and move it. Oh, cool. Um, so now there's like a visual aid because I was worried, like I said, if you had a ball, like a huge ball valve, yep. you wouldn't visually be able to tell without like putting your hand on the hose where it's where the suction is going. I'm still stuck on the solenoid, man. That's amazing. So well, what, how does that work as far as your coolant not running also? So the, the, the way the Tormach works is it's like, you know, the, the shape of a computer power supply plug, mm -hmm. it's three prong, but it's kind of like a weird little shape. It's got a port like that on the back of the Tormach. And oh. that's what the coolant pump plugs into to be powered. Oh, so you unplug so, the coolant pump. Yep. And I bought one of those cords and cut it, you know, cut it and like splice the lines to run the solenoid. Um, so it's just a, a 20 amp solenoid that runs a, another. I wonder if the Haas has something similar. So here, let's, let's get into the weeds on this one a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I work for Bob T biggest, one of the biggest things that he harps on is safety around composites mm -hmm. okay. uh, to the point of like fear, because mm -hmm. his thing is like, it's not the dust that you see. It's the dust you don't. And it's mm -hmm. not the dust that you clean in the moment. It's the dust that floats. Yeah. Right. So sure. like the, the risk of like the glass based composites existing in piles or existing in the air specifically is, is the risk. And so mm -hmm. I'm really torn on this because the reason that everybody goes to vacuum is essentially you don't want G10, which is abrasive, running through your coolant system, getting into your ways, et cetera, et cetera. I've always run it with coolant. Right. And there's there's the basic reason is my no. machine is more expensive than the Haas. Yeah. yeah. But I realize it's like what you're doing is what a lot of people do. And I mean, Haas, I think, even makes like a, they make like a vacuum system. So this would be one that I would really love like some scientific backing on as like, yeah. what's the right way to do it. And they make, there are mills specifically made to machine this kind of stuff yeah. that are like hyper sealed and they have like ports for this, yep. um, which is cool, obviously out of my price range at this point. But so where I'm at is that I prefer to run coolant. That would be, that would be the surefire way. Like you said, a hundred percent guarantee, no dust. Yep. The problem I had was not 
the worry of like the ball screw and all that yeah, stuff yeah, because yeah. I, I would be honest like i'm still getting that with the dust in some that, way that's, so that's my thought too right it's probably probably a, a toss-up as to which one's okay. safer on the machine i would say but what's the critical thing is if you do enough composite if you do enough volume you will like if i was doing like a couple sets at a time when i was running coolant and it worked fine and I could like find some way to kind of hack together a filter to try to filter mm-hmm. that coolant. But if you're doing like hundreds of sets, yeah, the sheer volume of the G10 in micarta that's coming out, yep. it, it acts like a giant sponge and it yep. soaks up your coolant. Yeah. And in easily in a day, you'll soak up like 10 gallons of coolant into chips. And so you'll you'll lose 10 gallons of coolant a day yep. by scooping all the coolant out in the chips. And so how do you fight that? You have to have either a way to compress that and like squeeze the coolant out and then run it through a filter. Or you have to have like some sort of multi-stage filtration or something. Oh, if you want to get like kind of weird. So, okay. So say you run, say you run, I don't know what the coolant, like, you know, tank setup on the style or the Tormach is, but so, so you run a pre-filter in your coolant tank. Mm-hmm. Okay. The sludge builds up in that. The majority of sludge builds up in that down system outside of your coolant tank. You're running some kind of filtration system, like a whole house filter, I think is what a lot of guys are using. Okay. So that's catching a bunch, but that's not anything you're reclaiming. Right. You squeeze the drip tray. Essentially Mm -hmm. you reclaim the coolant that gets stuck in there. Right. Maybe that's a nut. Maybe it offsets it by 50%. Right. I also think like it's different and maybe, maybe I'm wrong with this, but I look at the way that we use even, even you, like you're not like a lights out, you know, job shop round the clock, yeah, round the clock machining composites. Like I could see that significantly shortening the life of a machine tool, you know, in the addition to long working hours and maybe heavier jobs. Mm-hmm. Whereas like we're doing this really light work and I mean, for all intents and purposes, like it's light both in time and, uh, like what we're cutting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really curious. It's something I've thought about quite a bit. Um, it's the same thing. Like the other one is, is like a, is a, um, mist buster. Mm-hmm. So Maybe. when you're running, you're, you're running your, uh, CNC in a small shop, low ceilings, you're essentially cooking coolant constantly, which is like vaporizing into the air. Mm -hmm. So like your humidity in a shop will go up. Yeah, for sure. That's where like a mist buster comes in. I look at the same thing. I'm like, what is, what are the health risks around basically like atomized coolant that has also been cutting titanium, bronze, copper, brass. In your case, you have less materials, but like, I'm very curious about this stuff because I would like to avoid getting like some weird knife maker cancer. Yeah. I think the solution on the wet side, like for, mm-hmm. for mist itself is like a, an actual mist collector. Yeah. Um, which I do want to put on the style. I don't run. I found what, what causes mist the most is larger diameter tools yep. and or tool holders that have features on them that are like make Throwing. little, yeah. yeah, that throw it. Yep. And I've been running a bunch of what I've found a huge advantage for hydraulic holders is they nice. have nothing on them that the coolant can like Ooh. be thrown by. And it, I run mostly hydraulic and especially my high, high RPM stuff is hydraulic. Okay. And I get 
very little mist, like minimal, minimal mist. Okay. Um, but if I run either a bigger tool yep. or like, like an ER32 collet that's got like the big nut, yep. like that thing, if you get it spun up, it'll yep. throw a lot of mist. Throws quick. a bunch of water off big drops. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Okay. Yeah. But nice. the, the thing about the G10 running dry, like I said, is I did, I tried to scale up the, the wet as much as I could. I, I had filter felt in the chip tray so that mm-hmm. I could remove with the felt, like the actual sludge. And then I had that whole house water filter and at the volume I was doing even then, which is a lot less than I am now, it was absolutely insufficient. Like it just, it would back up. I mean, you would be basically working on keeping that clean as the main job the whole day. Well, I've been in like production facilities that are dry machining G10. So I know this is like a practice that is done. Um, I just, I think the way my brain works, like I'm always kind of looking at it large scale and going yeah. like, okay, like that's see, like, like there's, it's not a hundred percent containment. So what is that containment that isn't contained doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the yeah. risk of that? Yeah. My, my long-term goal, I think is the Tormach does such a good job on G10 that I will keep it on G10 and it'll eat itself someday because yeah. of all the abrasion. It's fine. And that's fine. But buying a true dust collecting system, that's got like a five horse motor, like one of the yep. big, like $2,500, you know, stand, they're like eight yep. feet tall. Yep. They have the big cyclonic system. Yep. They'll move like, I don't remember the number, but it's like 2000 cubic feet of air a minute. Yep. It's it's like a crazy, like yep. 50X what a, what a shop vac is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably do that and run like an octopus of like anywhere that there's possibly yeah. going to be something floating. Like it's yep. just sucking. So that if you put your hand like on the doors of this of yep. the machine, it's There's like negative, suck your hand negative to pressure. It. Yeah. So the the Haas has these weird like open vents at the top. And I've always thought, man, probably makes sense just to seal those. Mm-hmm. And then you do a like a mist collector and a dust collector. And then once that's done, like it's pretty much sealed up. And then if yeah. you have at your spindle collection. That seems like pretty good. Yeah. But I like your, I like your octopus idea where you just basically like anywhere that there's a major opening is, is there's a vac attachment. Yeah. Yeah. Plus just, it would look cool. Just draw. Yeah. Just absolutely like destroy all dust with yeah. vacuum. And Death I, I don't dust. run, I have a wet machine and a dry machine. So the Tormach does not run coolant and it never will ever again. And the sile only runs wet. So they're completely divided and no G10 touches the, the yeah. sile. I mean, that's amazing. Um, and the, one of the reasons is like, if the, the coolant sprays on everything in the machine, then it evaporates and leaves a film. And then the G10 sticks to that yeah. and the whole machine, like builds like layers and layers yeah. of grime. Yeah. And so what I did is I cleaned the whole Tormach in interior with Windex so that there yeah. was no oil and went to dry and then nothing sticks to the walls. So it's yeah. all getting vacuumed. And so it's like, it's totally dry, just completely. You've sold me on two spindles. Um, I, so my, my medium to long term plan, um, is replace the Haas with a style, I think X five mm-hmm. specifically because I could put another X five in mm-hmm. next to it. And I think for what I need CNC for in the next like five years, I think that's going to be a really, really good fit. Yeah. That's um, awesome. and like, who knows, like, well, I guess at this point, honestly, it would just be two styles. I think it's easier than like doing a style and a Tormach um, mm. or something like that. I, I think if if I was only going to have two machines and I had like no machines and I yeah. had to buy two new machines, they'd yeah. probably both be style right now. Yeah. 
Um, the Tormach does a great job for what it for what I have it doing. It's actually pretty perfect. But yeah, it's hard to beat the style. It'd just be faster. Like the only advantage yeah. right now, if it was the style, if I had another one running the G10, the dry yeah. machine, it'd just be way faster, yeah. which I'm getting to the point where I can see how that would be nice. So. Yeah. I still need to figure out like what I'm doing <laughs> because yeah. I go back and forth between increasing production and just wanting to prototype. And like the reality is that like if I'm doing a couple knife shows a year and, and primarily doing like production prototyping, I really only need one machine. Mm-hmm. but as an efficiency, I look at like, if I can put two spindles in the space of one current spindle, that's a really good use of that space for sure. Just even from a redundancy standpoint, like you have a machine go down. Um, I've been really fortunate knock on wood with like machine failures over the years. Um, but I just realized like at a point you're tempting fate. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen to me someday. Yeah. I told my employee about that. I- Cause I'm like, yeah, someday that machine, that style is going to have an issue. And he's like, don't talk like that. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm not a pessimist. Right. But I, I always am talking myself into the, like believing that those things are going to happen yeah. such that I will be prepared for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so I just try to think like when that day comes that the spindle goes on that thing or the coolant pump or something goes like, I'm not going to be surprised. And it's not because of the machine. It's just any machine. Any mechanical device, I'm, I try to live as if it is going to fail. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it doesn't. I think that's a good plan. That's like risk assessment. It's like, if you don't like the outcome of the worst case, it's probably not a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So that's dust. What's next? Uh, well, I was designing on the Overland Sport all week. Oh, nice. Uh, it is being water jet today oh, and you're so fast, man. <laughs> I know. And I took, I took the sheet. I had the sheet sitting there. I drove it to the water jetter. They're like, Oh, it'll probably be cut tomorrow. I'm like, no kidding. And then I talked to my brother-in-law about surface grinding. He's like, yeah, I can pretty much surface grind it like the next day. So I'll be machining the Overland sport. I'm building the fixture. I was programming it today. So next week. I could probably have some ready for heat treat is what it's looking like. That's wild. And so I'll be running handles and blades next week on it as a small test batch. And we'll see how it goes. Dude. So congrats. The knife looks amazing. You haven't shown pictures of it yet, right? No. And I wanted to ask you about that because it, this is happening so much faster than like Mm -hmm. the confidant. Like I could probably post a picture of an actual knife within like three weeks, just depending on heat treat. Um, what do you think's the best philosophy for teasing on something like that? I can't decide. Um, I'm always tentative to tease something that isn't made yet. Yeah. So yeah, that too. they, or, or I guess the amount of detail you show should be based on your amount of, uh, confidence that you'll actually be able to build it exactly the way that you show it. Right. 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 So, um, but I, I don't know. And I, I don't think it really matters. I think the whole point of teasing in general is just, it, it's kind of fun. It makes, it creates movement. It gives people something to look forward to, mm-hmm. um, to be curious about. Like yeah, we yeah. just, we just teased the tactile pen collab, <clears throat> yeah. which I actually think is maybe some of my finest branding work to date. I actually haven't seen that yet. I, I really liked the post. It's just the box, cool. but I was, I was, I like the, I like my caption. So yeah. that to me is like a tease, right? I'll look at it. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, and then because at this point you're making changes that like theoretically, you know, could affect something like maybe you have to change the blade for heat treat or something like that. So what are the, I mean, if you show one thing and then change it, is it the end of the world? No, but it does complicate things from your standpoint a little bit. If adds a little bit of explanation or whatever. Yeah. You, it's more work. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. And I'll probably hold on to it for a while longer um, yeah. and not post about it, but it is coming because this is think the, 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 the skids feel really greased right now. Yeah. Um, and it's moving really quick and I'm yep. using this time also though, to be really, really meticulous. So I probably 3d printed the thing like nine times. I love it. Um, and then I would basically, I'd, I'd take like after a day's work of printing it like three or four times and modifying it. I would, I would carry it around all night until I went to bed. And then Mm -hmm. the next day I would have a mental list of like the things I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so each night I was just holding it because it's one thing to hold it and just kind of be like, Oh yeah, I like this. Don't like that. But I found if I hold it for like a few hours, the thing that's annoying will start to become more annoying. Yep. Um, so it's a cool thing about 3d printing is, or I mean, one of the very many cool things about 3d printing is that the form tests, they are, they are very real. Yeah. So something like a knife, I mean, you can, you can go cut something with it yeah. with a 3d print and go cut butter, but it's going to give you the same mechanics yeah. to understand like, oh, I actually don't like that. Or like, that's going to yeah. be a hot spot or I want a little more length here. I, I use it to cut a bunch of bags of mulch open for my yeah, wife. Dude. See, she's like, do you have a knife on you? Like jokingly. Cause I always do. And I'm like, actually don't because I'm just holding this 3d <laughs> <But>. <laughs> print and I, it actually cut. I mean, it actually worked. Yeah. That's awesome. It's plastic, but I love it, man. Um, yeah, I think if I were you and I was going to tease that thing, uh, I like the center section. I think that the center section like shows enough change that it yeah. makes it really interesting because you're like, oh, it's familiar, the but I can scale. also see that it's different. Yeah. A little circle. I, agree. Right? I might, I might make one handle scale set next week mm. and like, just show that. like a, my uh, uh, Dalton has a macro lens for his camera. Mm-hmm. He's been taking some shots for me. I was going to maybe have him take a macro shot of like the front of the handle because it's yep. so different and just post that because it you can't won't be able to tell the scale or exact like scale as in size. Right. And, and whatnot from that macro shot. Yeah, maybe like that's that. maybe that's the thing. Yep. But Constant. then I made a, a laser fixture today. Nice. Machine to a laser fixture, which was just a little side divergent project, but cranked that out real fast. And nice. that was fun. Just something for it to sit in. Well, I want a laser fixture that is generic to all knives. Oh, interesting. All, everything I make. And okay. I haven't had that up to now. It's been like kind of Jimmy rigging for every knife. And now that yep. the model variety is growing, I need something. So I have, I just took a block at basically Delrin, like six inch square. And, and just interpolated a whole bunch of quarter inch holes in it on like oh, half nice. inch centers mm-hmm. and then made it so it bolted to my laser so it never moves. Okay. And then I just insert dowel pins and I, I made it coordinate uh, system. So it's like A, B, C, D, E, one, two, three, four, five. So that okay. it's like, I'll have a sheet that's like for the confidant, it's A1 and B7. And then you just put those pins in. One pin goes through the handle hole like yeah. the actual tang hole yep. and then it knocks against the pin against the spine. And so then I can just change the pins to whatever coordinate system that knife uses right. and then put the next knife on. So, and you're basically doing this like in, in fusion, you're taking the model with the logo, aligning it to the block and basing it off of that. 
So actually, my laser throws a graphic, like throws a red yeah, laser yeah, yeah. pointer, like yours probably does. Mm-hmm. And so, I'll, what I'll do is I'll actually I'll take like a scrap knife, yep, and I'll put it on there, and I'll get it visually as close as I can with that red, and I know generally where I want it. And so then I'll uh, one part of the engraving is perfectly concentric around that pivot hole, around okay. the the handle hole. So I'll line that up, line the logo up, and then it's I actually don't use the fusion really for setting up the laser okay. side. I just need the fixture to be repeatable right. itself. Right. So, that so you're I, setting it up in the laser, but you're not creating, you're not like, I've been going back and forth with this on the laser, which is like, say something like a Cypop. Uh, I just did these little brawler contrasts. And in this case, I didn't bring in the Cypop shape. Mm-hmm. I just used the brawler logo, aligned it with the laser, set it, ran the batch, and then moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that m- means that the next time I want to do it, I essentially have to set it up again. Yeah. So I'm always kind of going back and forth. I think ultimately like best, best practice is to set up the full graphic outside of the, la- or, or, or I guess bring in whatever details you want in the laser so software or set it up in illustrator in your laser software. Can you just save the project? And then yeah, I can it. save the project, okay. but yeah. I still, so what you're doing is right, which is setting up an alignment fixture. Yeah. I have more products that I'm doing. So it's like, everything is a weird shape. So I basically go and I usually laser cut a fixture, Mm -hmm. an alignment fixture, but I haven't been, I haven't created like a coordinate system for those fixtures. I like, I go in and tape them down and then align it. So I'm starting to learn, um, like kind of different ways of, of doing things. Is there a reason why you didn't 3d print your laser fixture? Uh, mainly because it's got like 120 holes in it that are perfectly slip fit to a quarter inch. Got it. 3D printers are wonderful. They yep. do kind of nasty, goobery little holes. Sure. And in order to get the the pin to slip fit and not yep. wobble, you'd probably have to ream them with like a drill or something. Yep. And I'm like, I'll just, not worth I've it. got a piece of Delrin sitting on the shelf. It took yeah. me an hour to machine it exactly to that exact. Do you keep fit. a vice? Do you keep a vice in your mill or do you have like a vice that you can swap out? I've got Saunders Machine Works everything in the Tormach. Okay. And so it's like a big fixture plate and I've got yep. like five of his vices. So okay. I can just slap a vice on straight to the fixture plate. Do you run your jaws X or Y? With the Saunders, it doesn't really matter. I know. Uh, but I usually run it so that it's clamping like along the X, like the travel of the vice is along the Y travel of the vice is along the Y. So you're saying like open close is along the Y, like traditional. Yeah. 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 I'm setting up, we're like setting up the Pearson pallet system in my mill and like shape wise, an eight by 12 pallet is awesome, but it's got to go 12 on the X. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so, um, Keaton had some, Keaton had some of the vices and I was like, man, that's like very cool. But, but the way that he runs them, they're like double jaw system and it would have to run in the X. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of one of those things that like tweaks my brain a little bit, even though it literally does not matter. Yeah, it does. But in my brain, I'm like, no vice go this way. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I, I, I'm the same way. Cause it, it does make almost more sense in general to go in the X direction. Yeah. But it intuitively is. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'll yeah. send you a picture of like exactly what I'm talking about, but yeah, cool. Um, and you got, you, uh, you and Keaton got that Pearson set up. We, we got talk like about that? 99%. We didn't talk about it. We got like 99%. It was super fun too. Um, just like having Keaton in the shop and getting to work with him on a project was super fun. Um, we, so basically I use a Jurgens pallet system. It's like old school, weighs 300 pounds, 
it was before like the Saunders plate was available. Um, so that uses subplates. So basically what we were doing is putting the Pearson pallet system on a subplate, which mm-hmm. is like kind of weird because you're like fixture on fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a very cool way to do it and still lets me use yeah. the Pearson in the mill. Um, but yeah, we just, we made it all the way to indicating and then I haven't finished indicating it yet. Yeah. So cool. it's close. So, so you machined one of those pallets to machine one of the pallets it. for basically for the, uh, for the Pearson to bolt direct so bolt like to. half 13 threads yeah, and stuff. Half yeah. 13 threads. Um, and just, it was really cool because this is like the first, um, cam project that I've run really run through fusion. Cool. And so just being able like learning for me is best. Like if I do it with oversight, like if you do it and I watch, I will learn nothing. If you explain to me where to go, I will remember it. Yeah. And yeah. so basically Keaton just stood over my shoulder and he's like, all right, like, cool. Set your, you know, your pass heights and here's where you set your tool feeds. Here's, here's like your tool library. And dude, I love it so much. I'm so excited about fusion. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad you saw the light yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. Fusion's strongest strongest point is their cam yeah that's it what he said like, to you it's far and away it's their strongest offering for yep. sure well and at a point like that really that kind of is really important yeah you know? it's like, critical if you got to yeah. have something work well the cam is a pretty good thing to pick yeah for sure um so yeah that's like that's where i'm at with with pearson system that was like a complete uh tangent but no i mean tangents is what i'm all about man it's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Pearson's, um, are, Pearson's are sweet. I ordered like three of his pallets because I'm building new pallet fixtures. Nice. So nice. I'm trying cool. to figure out. I'm trying to figure out what the first project I'm gonna do is. Like I've set a goal for myself, which is not to update any of my current designs out of the gate. Uh, really tempted to do the tuna, but I just don't. I want to do a completely new project. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one. The one exception to that is the um, mini dad. Mm. And that's only because we worked through the process to design it in fusion and I have it like ready to go. So that feels yeah. like that feels like a yeah. really rational starting point. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that'll be fun, dude. Psyched. Yeah. I'm psyched for you. Okay. What else? So you did that. And then I, we've been chatting about the design that you're doing for me. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the, or have we, have we said the name to anyone yet? Uh, I don't think we have. Nope. Do you want to? Sure. It is, uh, the turn T E R N not like to rotate, but mm-hmm. like the bird. Yeah. I don't know why I like bird names so much, man. I've had a bunch it's of good. them. It's good. Right. <laughs> I like, I like the name. <laughs> good. I do too. Yeah. yeah. It, it's perfect. It's succinct, short, yeah. easy. It's great. Um, I actually, I actually feel like it was a really, as far as like redirections go, we somehow redirected into possibly a better overall project mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so. we're kicking around. We're still in the design stage. I'm literally right above my computer. I've got turn on one of my flow charts for yeah. my d- new design acquisition. And I'm I basically the only X is that set design goals. Yep. And then we haven't finished design and then we'll start into the actual manufacturing. But yeah, what's pretty cool about this is the turn is the first knife that I fully designed in fusion 360. Um, 
and that feels really this is like all the way down to like bevels and everything mm-hmm. and it, it looks really nice really good yeah the fact really that nice. you didn't pick it apart when i sent it to you no. felt really good no it's clean you're like okay there it is yeah. that's great no i looked at your timeline and there's like seven elements down there and i immediately know this was done well oh, i love yeah. that it's not it's not like i'm not scrolling through like all these extrusions and right. sketches back you know, and forth it doesn't have scales it doesn't have hardware so there's no reason it should have yeah a billion elements like well that. and it's nice too because this ties into something that we had talked about which is i'm simultaneously trying to improve my machining skills but also learn a completely new software mm-hmm. and so i had wanted to do the turn but with you doing it it allows me just to move directly into another design project which mm-hmm. i think right now i'm better served actually just focusing on the design side of fusion mm-hmm. before I start worrying about trying to update my, you know, yeah. machining process. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of t- take one big swallow at a time. Yeah. One yeah. big, one big leap at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's too hard. And I think, yeah. I think a lot of people have the tendency to do that. Right. Which is like you change multiple elements at the same time, which if you look at that from it's almost like scientific process for like, we were doing something yesterday. What were we doing? Um, trying to figure out like pressure around leather stamping. And it's like, okay, so we are, you're essentially wanting to like change one variable at a time, because if you change two variables, like you don't know how they're interacting. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like learning kind of works in the same way. A lot of times if, if you're like learning two things simultaneously, you're like learning more than like, or at less than 50% for each somehow, because like the total is somehow like a weirdly, I don't know. It's a, yeah. I think it's affected more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, you only have so much real estate in your mind, yeah. you know, there's got to, you got to apply yourself to one thing at a time. You need to and build I, a I, mind ADU. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Run a quad core mind that can do yeah. four things at once. Exactly. Just put a little box side box on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Those days are coming, man. I know. I'll just I'll just have Wi-Fi between my head and the CNC. Dude, just... neuro neuro to the CNC. Oh, dude. Um, have you played with uh have you played with AI anymore? Uh not anymore. Not no. for a while. Not for a while. Did you I sent you that thing, um, that like AI parenting hack, right? Yeah. That's that was the cool. that's honestly the best case. I like th- I saw that and I was like, so me being like ADHD, I'm not actually a great storyteller. I never have been. I don't like my dad is an awesome storyteller. And just like make like growing up, like he just made stories up and would tell me amazing stories. I can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Using AI, you're able to like, basically the, for those of you guys who didn't like see this real, the guy was like, look, here's, I'm going to write my kid a story. And I'm basically, you can like, you plug your kids names in, you can plug in like some parameters of like what type of adventure, like what type of scenario you can like plug in some like lessons that you want to be conveyed. Um, and basically have ChatGPT run it and, you know, print out a story. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so cool. It, it's like having a brand new children's book written for this particular. For evening. you around things that you're yeah. interested in. And it's funny because on the post, like a lot of people were like, oh, you need like AI to be a good parent. And it's like, no, man. Like, but at the same time, like this is just like a really cool use of technology mm-hmm to maybe give your kid like an even, like a real, like a different experience. Like, yeah, you yeah. can go to the shelf and grab a book, which is what we do. And just the mere existence of AI is only going to greatly creep into our life more so in the future. And yeah. 
I am of the opinion, this is maybe controversial, but like, I want my kids to know about technology. I don't want to have technology addicts. Yeah. But I think a lot of my success in life has been that I grabbed technology and my parents allowed me to do that, like at yeah. a young age. Yeah. Um, and I like, yeah, I but your wanna... dad was also taking you hunting. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> exactly. It's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah, it's a balance. And it's like, but using it, I think it's, it's the same thing with a lot of things. It's like, you want them to know it exists and you want yeah. to teach them how to use it to serve them, not for it, for them to serve it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if they, yeah. yeah so it's a digression. Well, this, these are like, but... these are these larger parenting questions that like we will be faced with, which is like, okay. So, I mean, we know at this point you're like sex ed, like super important because just mm. like not acknowledging it doesn't actually work. Yeah. I feel like technology, same, same around drug use, I think, right. Like, mm -hmm. uh, firearms, right. Yeah, like yep. whether or not you want your kids to be around firearms or like go shooting with you or anything else. I've always held that there's like a value in understanding how to be safe just in case they're around. Yeah. Comprehension. Yeah. Like someone else yeah. is not being safe. Yep. Driving a standard. Like these are things where you're like, Oh, it's just a skill set. Doesn't mean you have to do it, yeah. but I would rather have the knowledge there. Um, yep. well, and AI is such an interesting one because what I see with it is, is as a conversational language, like, a lot of the skill as a user would be in the prompts. And so if you look at it from a communication standpoint, I actually see a lot of benefit in the thought process of communicating ideas and seeing how like a generative AI responds to those prompts. Yeah. Not because it's a human, but because it's a closed loop that is essentially created to function in a like similar to a like a human mimicry. output. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at it, I'm like communication is communication. So if you if you have a kid who is or or ourselves, right? Like you use it as like communications practice. I don't know. Storytelling, mm -hmm. I haven't done it yet, but I will do it. Yeah. And I'm super excited because I'm gonna like plug my kids' names in and like create like a badass adventure story. I, I've thought I might use AI someday like if I need to have like I'm not the best at coming up with like really succinct phrases for like branding. Totally. And I've always thought of like, well, I have the idea. How do right. you compress it? I really yeah. like the process of the product. I didn't need AI yeah. for that. Yeah. But stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. it'd be cool to compress. Like I have a paragraph, compress this into seven words. Yeah. You know, like I've thought about using it for that. Um, another interesting use that we tried, we were looking at maybe around spring break, we were behind the curve and we we're like, Hey, what if we just drive to Seattle? And it was right when I started playing with chat GPT and I was like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to like, so I went into chat and I was like, all right, uh, help me plan a three day spring break trip in and around Seattle for a three-year-old and a five-year-old, um, plan meals. So plan basically three meals a day and like create like walkability between like lunch and the second activity mm -hmm. dude. And it did it. That's awesome. Even just as an outline, like, I don't know what's in Seattle, but it, I mean, it basically pulled together a plan. And then I was like, Oh, like, well, we don't want to do this. Like what, ca what can we replace this with? Yeah. And it like automatically regenerates. And you just realize like that is a good case study or like a good use for it. Um, someone else is using it that I saw was using it for meal planning, mm, yeah. including breaking down the grocery list into quantities 
and everything else. So you're like, all right, I need to make three meals this week. I want like a salad with each meal. I want a protein. I want one meal that's Thai. And then uh, let's do Peruvian for the first night. Okay. Or you can do it to where it like links ingredients across recipes. Like to me, this is, these are basic like in life improvement yeah. hacks. Yeah. Right. And like, as a parent, like we're dealing, you're dealing with meal prep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I use, I, I fumbled in a way when I tried to say this before, but I heard my dad say it again recently. He was saying, systematize everything that is predictable. That's the word I forgot. Yeah. Systematize everything that's predictable so that you can humanize everything else. Yeah. So how much food and groceries to get is a predictable thing. Yeah. It doesn't really need a human to decide that it, right. it's predictable enough. Yeah. Um, so it's like the more you can systematize predictable things, the more time you have for family, for, for family, right. You know, hanging out, going fishing, right. you know? Right. Well, and so, this, we're talking about like, like decision fatigue too, right? Like you only have so many hit points. Yeah. So yeah. the, this is, this is the classic, like, why do you, you know, um, like, why do people wear a black turtleneck every day of the working year? I mean, not many people do, but there's one guy who did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he was pretty, Nobody, pretty effective. Nobody's heard of him, you know? Yeah. He just Nobody's heard of him. Total failure. Yeah. But I mean, that to that level where you're like, I just don't want to actually have to think about this yep. fact. I'm cursed because I love good food. And I love, I actually like creating like full meals. I think it's a, it's like a, maybe like an ADHD thing for me because it's like a, like a hyper focus around mm-hmm. a process, but it takes me a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. like one that I've been playing with, but that's, that's the human thing. So you're just, you systematize other things yeah. so that you yeah. can do, I want to eat good food and I want to make it. I don't necessarily yeah. want to spend a day planning it. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think what it, I like keep saying this with Maddie, we, we were talking about something like, let the easy things be easy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there are things that do not need to be a struggle. Yep. And there are things where you don't need to solve the same problem twice. Yep. Once that's solved, it's like easy. That's why yeah. Taco Tuesday exists. You realize like all these systems are like, it's pizza night. Oh, it's Friday. It's the end of the week. Your parents another, are tired. Another little story from this week that is right in line with what we're saying right now. Um, so I, for the first time, I Boise is about 45 minutes from here. I had to drop knives off at Heat Treat and drop that sheet off at WaterJet. And it was the first time that I was like totally MIA while my employee was here running the style. Felt Ooh. totally comfortable. Within 15 minutes, he calls. There was a a mini crash that happened. Very, very small that I've done twice before. That's very low impact. Okay. But that, that scared him that I told him was a possibility <laughs> okay. that is common on every CNC machine. But basically, if you run enough CNC machines, you know, during a tool change, if you hit if you hit feed hold and then like reset to the top of the program yep. during a tool change, it loses track of where it was. Dur- yep. You know what I mean? Got to get so your fishing that, net out. So what happened was then he didn't know that that caused an issue. So the spindle was empty and the pocket of the ATC had the tool in it. And right. the machine thought the tool was in the, the spindle and the ATC right. was empty. So he hits tool change to replace a tool or something. And the spindle and the ATC just crash into each other because it's trying to put a tool uh, away as opposed to get a tool. And so it's a pneumatic thing. So it's not like right. a ton of pressure. It's just air pressure. So about 100 PSI of pneumatic pressure just pushes the tool against the side of the spindle. And this is not unheard of in the CNC world. And yep. I've done it before. Um, and I told him, I, so he calls me and I'm on the freeway. 
and I'm talking him through the recovery process to get this thing out. And I remember I'm like, as soon as I get home, I'm typing up the recovery process if that happens. And so I typed it all up and I put it there against the window, like right in front of the machine. I'm like, you you probably are scared now and you're never going to do that again. But if it does step one through 10, and this will get you out of the, out of the problem. Nice. And and that way, if I'm out of phone service, I'm not wondering like, did he just, if that happened again and he doesn't know what parameter to go to, blah, 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 we got to, then it's a problem. So it's a genius. Just writing it down, systematizing it so that yep. he can follow the system and no one has to talk. Like we yep. don't have to communicate. Yep. Smart. Um, we were, so we're still running John, uh, one day a week right now. Um, which has been great. It's tricky because inside of a day, there are a lot, there's a lot of processes that I do that I can't really like actually teach because I'm not as organized as you are. Right. Um, or like the timing is just not lining up, but we've had him running leather now and it was awesome. So we've got a valet tray that we're bringing back out and he was able to run basically a full batch of valets without me. Cool. And so it's a like different product, different cycle, but at the same time you look and you're like the ability for something to run without you is amazing. So basically I would go through and like reef, like kind of figure out like, okay, so we had to set like snaps. So I set up the snap machine, set up the parameters and then run the tests. And then after that, like he's good to go. And now he knows how to set it up, Mm -hmm. but basically from start to finish. So he, um, he die cut all the valets, then stamped them with the graphics, took them upstairs and set all the snaps. Yeah. And that's the end of the product. Nice. And we did like 40 pieces and it's just, it feels so good to be at a point again, where we have some level of product that, that is coming out of the shop. That is not directly my hand time. Yeah. Yeah. A a little bit of augmentation of your efforts. Yeah. I've been all over the place for the last like two years. It's like anything we want. I'm basically basically doing. And there's a lot of things that I don't want to be doing that we need. Yeah. So I know how that is. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, dude. That's great to hear. I'm glad that there, I mean, sounds like we found a couple of winners for, yeah. Slow. It's just slow and steady, man. Mm -hmm. Um, he's been messing. So he's got like a graphics background, um, no metalworking background, which is fine because I think that a lot of the tasks that I need him to do, I can actually teach from like a pretty organic, like ground level. Um, but with the, with the laser, it's awesome because he's got illustrator skills. And so being able to like work with images and modify that, images. That's clutch. Yeah. I think what we're going to do soon is I'm actually just going to give him some of the learning and testing projects that I've had for myself that I haven't made time for and just give him like a day and say, all right, like here's here's essentially what I want you to experiment with here's the process for experimentation. Like just go ahead and just play. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's another one where it's like at the end of the day, like, yeah, I would like to be doing that. But what I really need is like hard data Yeah. right now. Like I need settings and parameters and then I can like actually use that in work, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. That'll be That'll be a huge role, especially because leather is so scalable and like yeah. a lot of the laser stuff and all that, it's so yep. scalable where it's yep. like, 
if he gets onto a vein of doing something, yep. you can order a bunch of leather. The clicker yep. will just keep cutting. Yep. The the only scary thing about having an employee doing what I have him doing is like I have to keep carbide ready to roll and steel ready to roll. Yeah. G ten like these materials have lead times, and so yep. it's like I have to be way on top of it. But it, I do dream of having some filler work that exists that isn't critical, like what you're describing, where it's like there's always just leather right here. If if we run out of a certain carbide tool on accident and we have three days till it gets here, we're just going to do this. Yeah. But I, I don't have a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, that's like that you could just let sit for a while and then bring back. Well, and that's like that was actually the intention with this with leather specifically, mm-hmm. because okay, so it fits inside the brand, and basically like our products right now are really simple. Like we're doing coasters, simple, but like it ties in, and they're not expensive, and they're cool, and they're handmade. We're doing valets. We're doing pencil cases. Mm, that's cool. Uh, none of those require stitching, um, but they're all like relevant to us. So the valet is like a travel valet, packs flat in your suitcase, get to the hotel, you pop it up. It's cool. It's got our graphics in it. Uh, pencil case, same thing. Um, I don't even know if you've ever seen our pencil case. I haven't. Um, just like a little fold over leather, leather pencil case. But cool. those things, I, re- I was like looking at them like when I first hired you know, uh, my first employee, I hired a woman to work in the office because I realized the work needed to be done, but I was struggling with doing that. And I was like, it's not where my time is best spent. The leather is exactly that same thing. Like it makes sense for me to develop products. It makes sense for me to prototype processes. It doesn't necessarily make sense for me to run it on a day-to-day basis and it's teachable. Mm -hmm. So inside the shop like it's the only thing that i have that is teachable to like the level that you are operating at right right? which is the process is the product Mm -hmm. follow these steps end up here you don't need like some crazy secondary skill set or like any clicker and good quality leather can take you so far dude dude i know my dad's got one and we're always bouncing ideas off each other like that is a wealth of opportunity yeah so i'm you're you're Right it's on track. Fits. I think like That's probably cool. next we'll do like a keychain, like yeah. because that fits too, you know. Yep. Um, and we have the lasers, so like we net we're now we're we're self generating, so he can go to the laser with a graphic, create a Delrin stamp, and all of a sudden, like all we needed to make sure was we had leather and hardware in, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Cool. Create like a, a logo that's our rose, like in a chaos pattern, and then do that all over a valet. Boom. 45 minutes later, there's, there's a, a, a new stamp coming off of the laser. So yeah. I think a lot of this, like over, like I, I hopscotch kind of with technology and skills and products where there's never been a time where I'm utilizing all of the equipment that I have access to, but it's cool when it starts to like yeah. coalesce and you're like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the efficiency that comes from that, because it's like, you may not use it very often, but like, right. Gosh dang it! If you have to have a custom made stamp every time, yep. your design output is going to fall dramatically. Totally, because the constraint involved in like having to send an email, send a yep. file off, get a lead time, yep, like that's very harmful to creativity. I also so. just think like a lot of this stuff, man. Like I'm noticing that I really, really like doing things in house. Like I am, I still think about the O Max, the Proto Max. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I realized like 
just to have, just to know water. I think it's like that. It's a curious mind thing mm-hmm. where I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like it's not as efficient as sending it out, yeah. but I love the idea of being like, all right, I have this 12 by 12 of steel. And now I water jet that into blanks. And now mm-hmm. those blanks go into the CNC. That'd be crazy. I mean, I, I, I would do that someday with the right opportunity. You'll get like, there. I don't think the you, right will, you are not in a system. I basically want production tools or production processes for prototyping you're you're needing production tools for production yeah so like your little water jet at some point is probably going to be like a four foot bed water jet right like it might be small right but it's still going to be an industrial machine yeah and what i've found though is like there's water jet is pretty competitive in boise there's like several companies yeah and so prices are honestly hard to argue with like and there's that just it's always worked for me yeah um i don't know it's not about like i look at it and that's the difference right for you it's kind of like a bottom line cost yeah i look at it more as like this flexibility neat yeah Yeah, (laughs) yeah. it's neat i want it well and it depends on how many you're doing because like the the sheet i dropped off that's 81 knives because it's a partial sheet and it's like if you were doing like five because you were just experimenting that's where it wouldn't be very justifiable right not just in price but in like you're going to drop it off there's going to be a lead time right they're going to be grouchy because it's like a waste of their time to do five yeah Yeah. and yeah it's so and that's the thing for me right like if i say i'm going to exist or if like my primary focus existing in in prototyping but water jetting is still a super valuable asset in terms of the, that manufacturing process also because it's scalable. So if I'm doing it in house for five, cause I want to do a prototype run, that still means I don't have to hand cut them. Mm-hmm. And it means I don't have to outsource five. Yep. Yep. Now that costs $30,000 to do. So how much is that actually worth? That's right. where it gets like to be a tricky decision. Cause you're like, okay, well it's a business expense. I do now have this capacity what else can you use that machine for? Mm-hmm. And like, how many projects does it take to make that machine and, worthwhile? And if you did have an employee, like, could you do some small outs, some small OEM stuff, like total to friends or whatever, you yep. know, like, could you make a little bit of money to justify it as yep. well? Do you, do you think you. about that as far as like business plans for you? Like you've been around enough, like OEM kind of manufacturing stuff. Like, do you see a point where, you would be able to offer some type of OEM services? The short answer is no, <laughs> but, but the, cause you've the, seen the problems that arise with it. It's, I think the model of being an American manufacturer and, and being an OEM yeah. is, is not like altogether problematic, but right. it has a lot of sticking points that making yep. your own product doesn't have. Yeah. There are benefits, but, for me, it's like, I think I'm making my own products all the way. Um, I just think that's what, cause I do get, as soon as I popped up and started showing that I was making like yeah. a reasonable volume, I've probably had like three or four people reach out about OEM and yeah. I just, I can't see it happening. I really, well, can't. and the reality of it is like, this is, this is also just like good old boy network stuff. Yeah. Like there's a lot of places that are doing something for someone. Yeah. It's just a buddy. Yeah. Or like you might be able to have some output. I'm not even angling for myself, like even yeah. a little bit, well, but, no, but that would be like the reality is yeah. like, Oh, like, Hey, I want, I want blade service ground. Do I go yeah. to you or do I go? Cause your brother's running a service grinder or do I go somewhere else? And an example are, is I make saddle hardware for my dad's saddles. Yeah. 
And it's like, I, if some random saddle maker called me and I would absolutely not do that. Yeah. And it, and, but with him being my dad and like, we get to collaborate, he's yeah. making my sheaths. I'm making yeah. a saddle hardware. Super fun. Like the money almost, I don't even think about that. Right. It's not even a money that's thing. A family though. That, but yeah. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, that's fun to, it's fun to use your tools to help people that you're close to. Yeah. Um, within reason. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it's cool. I was helping a friend with some laser work today which is outside, like, to be honest, like I'm a caveman with the laser, but like I had a skill that I can translate. They had a product that they're trying to prototype and I actually really like it because it's, it is fun to problem solve around products that aren't your own. Mm, There is a value there. Mm -hmm. Um, just from a learning standpoint, I think it makes it the stakes change Yeah, or it's like a little separation from the creative element and like you're just function. So when someone brings their custom built Cerakoted AR-10 into you to laser yeah. engrave, you're like, I'm going to experiment on this yeah. so I don't yeah. ruin any of my knives. Yeah, like, <laughs> totally, totally accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Mileage may vary. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's no, funny, man. No, I agree. I agree with that for sure. Um, it is cool, though. There's so much technology that is, that's fun for us. It's kind of like knowing like where to, where to apply it. A lot of times I think I'll, I'll get into technologies. And then like sit on them for a while. Yeah. Like, but I've done that. Like I remember like first shops, like I would buy a new tool and I wouldn't use it for a few months. No, I, I, I've had the same experience and I've actually talked to multiple people that have that experience. It's almost like you have to internalize it as a part of what you have. Yeah. And this is like like a drill press. You have to like change the inertia of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, when you're, when you're making things at a small scale, like you do develop habits and sometimes it's just hard to break the workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, grinders for me have always been that way. Like I'll get a grinder and I'm like, eh, like I just go, I like my baiter. But then I find like the one or two things that that machine, like when I switched to uh, the Travis Wirtz TW90, um, I just found like the few things that it did different. I'm like, oh, okay. This yeah. now, like anytime I'm working on a platen, I'm on the TW90 or like yeah. the fact that they're the way he does his table adjustments, like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I run um, the, I run a TW90. Dude, they're good. I love it. Good. I love it. He's a smart dude. I like him a lot, dude. Right. It's funny. Cause I've only talked to him like once or twice in my whole life. Yeah. But it's like, he seems to be good at remembering faces and people. Yeah. Cause I'll talk to him. Like, I, I think I called him on the phone to ask him about something about his grinder, like a few months ago. I was, and I'm like, there's no way that he remembers any conversations we've ever had. Cause I barely ever have talked to him. And it was like, he did either. He's really good at just talking to people. And it yeah. seems like he remembers me. I don't know, but he's just like super personable. Dude. He's like that rare case of mechanical engineer. He's like, cowboy. he's like a badass cowboy. <laughs> he's always got like, you know, a huge smile. Yeah. And his personality is like very outsized. Yeah. Right. Like even body language. Like he's like, it's like a fun dude, yeah. you know, but he's also just wicked smart. Yeah, he is. And a hard worker. And you're like, yeah. dude, yeah, it's like messing up the curve. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> he's just got it all going. Man. And he, uh, there's a reason history channel, like he, he won forged in fire. Right. Yeah. And then they brought him in as on that spinoff show as a host. Yeah. I'm like, no duh. Like they had him on that <laughs> yeah. show and they're like, that guy's a host. They're bringing him back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get him, get him back here. Yeah. That's funny, man. I saw a video. I might've said this on the podcast before, but there, he posted a video. He needed to run like an ethernet cable through his shop uh-huh. a metal building. I think I already said this, but don't tell me you shot he's, it. He's in the office, like prone with a rifle, like <laughs> shooting through, like 
I don't know if it's one or two walls to run the Ethernet cable. Uh, and I'm like, dude, oh, you're man. crazy. That, that seems yeah. accurate. Yeah. I missed out. They, he had a he does a hammer in um down at his shop in Arizona every year. And last year I bought tickets. Dude, hammer-ins are really interesting. I wish our side of the industry did it more, but let's do it. It's not maybe that's not a bad idea. But how? How do you do it? Yeah. Because come, that's come this run is the my skills CNC. thing. I won't sweat. <laughs> I mean, that's like okay, let's let's run this one out a little bit. So beauty of hammer-ins. You go to someone's shop or some school and everybody can basically use the tools and everybody has a different skill set around those tools or a different specialty around those tools. Okay. So one guy is showing forging, he's doing upsetting and then someone's showing how to do, uh, you know, like, like Lynn Ray showing like how to do an x-ray knife where it's like upset and then like wrapped around itself. And someone's doing pattern molded Damascus, but they're all using the same skills, the same tools, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. How does that translate to a meetup of like what we're doing for the most part now? The hard part with us is, at least with me particularly, is if I had people in my shop, like you can't really run the, the kind of technology I'm running. Not that, I mean, someone exactly. could have the exact machines that I have and know yeah. how to run them. Yeah. Even between in, machines, I can't come yeah. into your shop and run yours. Exactly. You can't come into my shop and run mine. Exactly. So you can talk about fixturing like the, the, the collaborative element breaks down really fast. Once it leaves fully hand controlled processes. Yeah. 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 Like once it leaves the grinder, essentially. One, yeah, once it leaves grinder or like hammers. Yeah. I always thought it would be cool to have a show where you like essentially have like old school military like shop, like a CNC shop inside of a semi trailer. Oh, yeah. And so like you roll up to a maker's shop and you're like, all right, we're going to do a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And you're going to collab like on that with that maker, like around their style. But like you're doing it in like between the shop that whatever their shop is and your like CNC shop oh, dude, semi that'd be crazy, dude. Pull up, right? <laughs> it's dude, so fun. I just thought you know how like the old school video games like war like uh, what is it Warcraft uh-huh. back when you'd have like a LAN party with like Ethernet. Yeah, we could have a fusion LAN party. Oh, like, that's pretty funny. Complete dorks, dude. I don't know. I like it, it's harder idea. to make it work. It's like the cool thing is like you could you tie that in with meet and greets. So it's like, yeah. all right, cool. Like we're going to Chicago to like hang out with this maker. We're going to do a project, right? Awesome if it was actually tied into a process that like helped that maker somehow, right? And you're like, also we're going to do like meet and greet. So you're like, you like bring everybody in. Like that's like fun community. You get to collab. Everybody wins. Get an awesome yeah. semi. Okay. Goals. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. We should, we should think about it though, for sure. Like how do you, how do you turn a ham? Yeah. The hammer and thing it does. I've agreed with you completely. Cause like every time I see someone do a hammer and I've got a bunch of friends that go to him, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'd make a fool of myself. Cause I don't, I don't forge. Yeah. And it'd be fun to go to, but like, it just doesn't make sense for me. But like, yeah. how could we replicate that? So yeah. And like, question. I mean, ultimately, Again, I think ultimately it's the meet and greet aspect. The community aspect of it is like the really important one and the sharing of skills. So, okay. You could tie in fusion, 
right? Or, mm-hmm. or uh, SolidWorks or whatever. Like you, you could do it to where you're like, all right, we're all going to hang out. We're kind of, you know, going to bullshit, drink beer, but we're all going to work on the same project. So we're all going to like up, upgrade our skills mm-hmm. around fusion. It's borderline land party esque, yeah. <laughs> right? Not quite yeah. as cool as smashing things that are on fire. Right, right. Um, folder making, any manual skill can be taught. So I guess what it would be for us is like, oh, you pulled a part off your CNC. So you could be showing like, you could, if it was a CNC-esque group, you could be showing fixturing processes around that, but it's still not super collaborative. Mm-hmm. It'd be more it's, like a course. Be more like a like, course. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, this is actually, this is kind of the reality of it. So you look at something like forging and it's this huge mass of skills that are related. Okay. As you move into the CNC, you're going more macro, right? So it's almost what could be shown in like someone's like few hour session of like a, you know, blacksmithing demo is almost like people coming to your shop only for that component of it Mm -hmm. because it's so specific. Yeah. Dang. I don't know. There's gotta be, I'm going to keep thinking about that too. The one that I missed. So back to this circular story, uh, Bob Kramer was going to, and Bob Kramer, um, if you guys don't know who he is, uh, ABS master Smith, but like completely next level, beautiful, beautiful work. But one of the things that I love that he's done is like the brand that he's created is actually amazing. So he auctions the majority of his high end pieces and the beautiful work, but the he's drawing, he's drawing big money for these pieces. And that is in the forging world. You see that less. And I think it's because of maybe like age or just demo, like demographic. Like most of these guys aren't probably buying like, you know, dunks on a drop. They're not, they're not as familiar with like that process. So the way that he's worked the business and the brand that he's built is super, super interesting. I'm actually, he's got a course on how to be like successful, how to build a successful knife business Yeah, happening at Blade. Um, So I'm going to hit that just because I want to hear perspective from, it's the other side of the aisle, man. Like literally, like you go to Blade show, you have all the stock removal guys kind of like on in one area and you have the ABS segregated in a different area. Like it's different different side of the aisle i know it, it's cool it's, it's, i try to explain that to people all the time but yeah it's a it's more there's more than one industry in the knife industry oh yeah it's true what's the next one what's the next well we're already Battle seeing songs. that i've said that for a while that yeah. sounds good man yeah um yeah but we already see that so the current next was the micro brand based around yeah uh design only no manufacturing yeah yeah right that didn't exist a while ago, but that means there's something else coming down the line. That's going to change that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And AI that never goes Dude. to shows that we don't know is uh, like, that destroys all of us and is the best designer and only corresponds via email to us. Dude. <laughs> I've been trying. I've been going between like, I've been having fun with chat GPT and like Dolly and basically trying to like, I don't know, create myself as an AI and like see what it comes up with. Yeah. So far it's been uh chat 
has been really good at creating concepts around designs based on what it can find on me online. Hmm. Came up with some good names and it's like, gives you descriptions, but like chat GPT is not a drawing program. So you basically have to work like the flow would be like you work for descriptor inside of chat GPT and then carry that over into like a, Dolly. Yeah. It's a language model. It's a language. So it's like yeah. mainly about language. Yeah. yeah. But this is the thing, man, like being able to explain yourself. Like if you can explain yourself clearly, that gets you down the road. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably yeah. stick to writing kids stories with it. That's, that's the way to go for now. <laughs> and then that may way, maybe it'll have some goodwill for you when we, uh, when, when it's our overlord our full takeover. Yeah. And it dominates. Dude, us. I don't know how much, uh, I don't know how much you've been like following or listening, like conversations around it and the people that are like leaving the industry. It, it is, I mean, I don't know if I feel a physical concern for it, but it is concerning. Like it when is. you hear it and you hear the, the, it is. yeah. Right. It is. Like, and it, <laughs> What I think a lot of what I've taken away is like, it doesn't have to be sentient or yeah. even appear to be sentient yeah. to actually disrupt everything. Yeah. Because if it can just create an illusion of a human talking, yeah. even if it has zero sentience, yeah. that's, that could be enough to disrupt like all of humanity drastically. Yeah. Well, the so majority like, of humanity, like, I mean, how many people see something online and just automatically like, yeah. you know, copy send, yeah. think it's well, real. And it's, it's the power of it, you know, like it just has to be able to simulate. It doesn't have to be alive. It just has to simulate alive. And that's enough to oh, affect man. everything. That's one. I can't remember if we talked about this or not, but like one of my favorite things I've heard so far is essentially like comparing it to a baby and being like, mm -hmm. yeah, everyone's like super impressed with chat GPT. And it's like, it's really impressive yeah. when you look at it and be like, this is an infant. Yeah. Wait till your baby can bench more. Than yeah. Look how cute it yeah. is. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait till it grows up and you're like, oh, Okay. I don't know, man. Um, we're hitting our, our time. I feel like I could keep just talking randoms. But I know. Are we done? Let's, let's freeze. Yeah. <laughs> wait seven days. Just keep going. Oh, uh, brought to you by AI. Yeah. Existential dread. I know. <laughs> brought to you by chat GPT. <laughs> actually, both of us are out running our machines right now. This isn't actually us. Yeah. Oh, dude. This Sick. is a deep fake. Sick. Sorry. I would kind of like to be deep faked. That's amazing. Some of those are great. See, we're doing it again. We're going down. Let's end it guys. Right. Thank you for listening. Um, leave us a review, please. Yeah. I know I'm always harping on that, but we're trying yeah. to build. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Have a good day. Enjoy Peace. chat GPT. Peace.